So I'm going to ask you, if you would, turn in your Bibles. We're going to look at a few different chapters today. Uh, this morning I said to remember that God's Word changes lives, and we're going to get to this in a minute. Um, but I, I want to challenge you with some different thoughts. Huh, those are this morning's notes. I want to challenge you with some different thoughts today. Uh, tonight, I know on a Sunday morning you have a different crowd than you do on a Sunday night. But in First Timothy, excuse me, Second Timothy three, I reference this passage. So this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And I won't go through this whole passage, but we're there. I'm just going to I'm going to leave it there without going through that passage. We're there. We're in the perilous times. There have been perilous times before. We're not the first ones to go through it. And I promise you, there's a lot of people that are going through way more persecution than we are. We're not going through persecution. We we're going to see some things in our time. We saw some of the restrictions on religious liberties just in the last few years that we just thought would never happen. Some of the things that are in court right now that they're fighting for for constitutional rights for the last 240 years, nobody questioned whether they're constitutional rights. We knew that the First Amendment there was a freedom of religion and leave us alone and let us practice. Some of those things have changed. But as you go through this list, and I won't, like I said, I won't take the time, Timothy, Paul's telling Timothy, Timothy is a preacher boy, he's an evangelist, and Paul's telling Timothy, hey, these things are going to happen, this is 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 going to happen, and it's bad and getting worse. And sometimes we need that kind of preaching, and we need to hear that, we need a reality check. I think one of the things that happened with all of the, the bad things that happened with COVID is we got a little bit of a reality check. We found out how fast it could close a church down. We found out how fast it could restrict some things. We found out how fast we, we might not have the freedom to print scriptures. I'm glad that I can go to my print shop every day and not worry about getting arrested because I'm printing Bibles. But I'm also smart enough to know that might not be true in six months or a year or whatever. And that's why I think more than ever, God's opened that floodgate for us to have an opportunity to get the Word of God out. But this is what Paul says to Timothy in verse 14. All of these bad things are happening. Things are bad and getting worse. And in verse 14 says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, we can stop right there, and this is, this is the, the, the jumping off point, this is the introduction point, but I want to I take to the next verse, and I think most of you know that in a church like this that preaches the Word of God, but it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The Bible is God's Word. It's God-breathed. It's inspired. Amen. Amen. And I'm shocked at how many people, in just in the last few years, are pushing it. People that will call themselves Christians say, ah, you know, it's a good book. Ah, you know, some good guys got together and wrote down a good book. And there's some good stuff, but it's not the Word of God. Let me reassure you, it's the Word of God. I said this to the young people this morning when people say, well, you know, it's just a book. Well, first of all, it's a mistake. It's 66 books. There is no other book like that. It was written down by 40 men over 1,500 years. There is no other book like that. The, the, the Bible, as we study and as we read it and we see the advantages, we see the power that it has, the Bible is the most produced book in the history of the world today. The Bible is the most read book in the history of the world. And that's not just for one culture. Some people say, oh, that's, that's for America. Listen, we're sending scriptures to Iran. We're sending scriptures all over the Middle East. We're sending scriptures, and these people are dying, literally, to get the word of God. We're sending scriptures to Malawi, Africa. If this book was just a man-made book, it wouldn't have that kind of power. Amen. 
It wouldn't have that kind of authority. And, and that's me just telling you logically look at it, much less what the Bible says about itself. Be assured that what you hold in your hands and what you read in your King James Bible is the Word of God. We don't need to question it. We don't want to say, well, you know, I don't know if I agree with that passage. You know what happens when I don't agree with a passage in the Scripture? I need to get myself straightened out. There's plenty of times that I don't like what the Bible has to say. That's why I need the Bible. Yeah, right. People are, I, I'm, I'm not even on my notes anymore. This, this idea, well, you know, I feel like, whew, whew. you know, my truth, there is no such thing as my truth. Please don't buy into that. There is right. the truth. Right, amen. We've, we as a society have gone crazy on this idea that I can just make up whatever I want. We have the truth. Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Amen. If you turn your Bibles to the book of Jude, I want to look at some things in Jude. And if, if I can get this thought across to you today, I could, I could just sit down now if you get this thought. But continue thou. But continue thou. Throughout Christianity, there have been good times and bad times. And let me be frank. There have been far more bad times being a Christian than there have been good times. I read something recently that said, persecution has never hurt the church, but prosperity has. Persecution has never hurt the church, but prosperity has. There have been good times and bad times throughout Christendom. But Paul says to Timothy, but continue thou, but continue thou. In Jude, if you read through the whole chapter of Jude, we'll, we'll hit a lot of it, you'll see, see that Jude and 2 Timothy 3 actually run pretty parallel to each other. And as we read through Jude, I want to challenge you and I want to encourage you uh, in some, some truths from the Word of God. And before we go any further, let's, let's take a, time, uh, a minute to pray. Lord, we do love you and thank you for this day. Uh, Lord, I thank you for Landmark Baptist Church and what they've stood for for years uh, Lord, I thank you for their desire to not only reach their local community, uh, Lord, but to reach around the world. Uh, that, Lord, they're, they're looking for ways to help, whether it's helping us in the print ministry or, Lord, as they're trying to help those here in Kentucky that have been uh, that are suffering from uh, the damage of all the flooding. Lord, they're looking to help physically because they know the physical help leads to spiritual help. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would just guide them and direct them and bless them as they continue, God, guide us tonight. Be with us as we open your word and look at what your word has to say. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Jude, in verse 1, it says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them which are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the, of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write Unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Hey, Jude is writing this almost 2,000 years ago. Earnestly contend for the faith. Are you contending for the faith? Are you contending for the faith? Yeah, I don't know if I. I got this guy at work and he just uses the Lord's name in vain all the time. Listen, you don't have to be a bully, you don't have to be mean about it, just let him know. That's, that's not how we talk. It's not how we talk. I, I'm, I'm amazed at, at when you get out in the world and you see how they talk, you wonder, you wonder if their mother ever took a bar of soap to their mouth. Amen. Whoa. They don't speak English anymore. And I don't mean they have a funny accent like you folks do. I mean, they, they have a... Whew. 
Do we earnestly contend for the faith? Do we stand for righteousness and holiness and godliness? Do we, do we talk about things like salvation in Jesus Christ? Well, you guys, you just believe one way and we believe another. I mentioned already, Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts 4 and verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby ye must be saved. If there was another way to heaven than what we're preaching from the Bible, there's really no point of us doing what we're doing right here. Right. Well, I'll go my way and you go your way. Why did Jesus come and die? And, and I've asked people that before. Well, I think I'm good enough to go to heaven. Okay. Then why did Jesus come and die on the cross? Because he is the only way to heaven. And I know I shared this this morning, but I think it bears repeating. If you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior... That's something between you and God. I can't save you. Pastor can't save you. Sometimes you see somebody, you lead them to the Lord, and they say, Brother Carpenter saved me. I haven't saved a single person. I haven't saved me, much less somebody else. But if you never accepted Christ as your Savior, I'm going to take just a moment with my testimony. My parents uh, were married in 1974. Uh, they were married in May, and in June of that year, uh, a family friend to the Carpenter family, they're farmers, both, both people were farmers, uh, the, the friend of my dad's got married and invited them to their wedding. So they went to their wedding at Southside Baptist Church in Oshkosh, and my mom and dad had been saved and been married, but were not in church. And I said, this, these are our kind of people. They're preaching what we believe and so on. So they joined Southside. Southside in 1975 moved to the west side of Oshkosh and became Wildwood Baptist Church. Then in 1976, I was born uh, into a Christian family. They had already been attending church uh, since 1974, so a couple years, and uh, had the opportunity to grow up in church, had the opportunity to grow up around good preaching, had the opportunity to go to our Christian school, and I eventually went away to Bible college. Had the opportunity with with things to do in our church like when I was 13 we had a big we had a big activity going on at church and I don't remember what country we were doing it for but we took our gymnasium and we set it up and we put scriptures together and I remember my mom brought us in at that that particular Saturday and said to brother Hoffman what can Tim do to help little did I know what my mom was setting me up for (laughs) hey I'm 13 years old I I could do everything I don't, know why, I don't know why he didn't start me right on the presses, brother. I mean, I could just do everything. And he takes me over to a pile of boxes. He says, you need to tape these up so we can start filling them. Tape them all up. What do I need to do now? Fill them up with Scripture. You know what one of my favorite jobs in the print shop to this day is? Filling boxes with Scriptures. Because those Scriptures don't really matter if they don't get out of our, our shop. Right. The scriptures that are at our shop that we're finishing up from Malawi right now, we got skids of them stacked up. Each skid has 2,000 pounds of Scripture, and it's exciting to see I want it to go away because it doesn't do me anything. I don't reach a Chewe. I don't need it in my print shop. I need it in Malawi. But I get to start filling those boxes up. And little by little, God allowed, God allowed me to be more involved in the print shop. But at the age of five, somebody showed me from the Bible what I needed to do to be saved. I don't remember anything about it. And frankly, I prayed a prayer, but I did not get saved. From the age of five to the age of 11, I continued to go to church. I continued to help, uh, uh, not help, I wasn't in the print shop yet. I continued to go to church. I continued to go to our Christian school. I continued to learn scripture. Many of the scriptures that I can quote to you today are scriptures that I was learning then. I don't know when I learned some of these verses because I was constantly being taught the word of God. Teach your kids the Bible. It sticks a lot better when they're younger. At the age of 11, I remember my brother and I shared a room up in an old farmhouse, and I went downstairs from my bedroom where I was trying to sleep, and I said to my mom, I said, Mom, I, I know 
I said, Mom, I don't think I'm saved. And she was already in bed. She got up early for work. And I'm thankful that she took the time to show me from the Scriptures, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And I just quoted those Scriptures. I didn't look at any notes on those. I knew every one of those verses when I was 11 years old. I was a relatively good kid. I just told you about my in-laws being hippies. I was not a hippie. I was 11. I had a mom that when she, got, when she wore out a broom, she'd cut the handle off about this long, and that's what we got whoopings with. And I remember when I was about 16, my mom was never a tall lady. When I was about 16, I, I was about this height, maybe a little shorter, and I told my mom she couldn't jump that high to spank me. Well... Timothy, if I tell you to get on your knees, you will. Yes, ma'am, I will. My mom's been long gone, and I still fear her. And that's okay. That's okay, moms. It's okay if your kids are just a little bit afraid of you. That's okay. Nothing wrong with that. We live in a society, I just want to be friends with my kids. They got lots of friends. They need a mom. They need a dad. You can be friendly with them, and hopefully as they get to be adults, they become your friend, but they need a mom and dad right now is what they need. But if you never accepted Christ as your Savior, today is the day to do it. You don't know. You don't know if you're going to make it home tonight. I'm getting old enough where I've seen enough younger people die. The older I get, the younger people seem to be. But it's appointed on the man who wants to die. But as Christians, as we earnestly contend for the faith, as we study the Word of God, as we read the Word of God, as, we, as we're spending time in the Word of God, we need to be sharing it with others, contending for them. We need to stop looking to the world for what is right and wrong. Now, contending for the faith will cause confrontation. Sometimes it will cause confrontation with folks right here. That's why it's important that we have the Bible. I don't know how people can get together as a quote-unquote church and not use the Bible as their authority. Listen, I've disagreed with my pastor on things before. Let's look at what the Bible says about it. Because the Bible is always right. It will cause that confrontation. It will cause those fights. We're a very sensitive society. I tell the folks in the print shop, our regular folks that come and help in the print shop are generally, generally retired folks. And they got thicker hides than my generation and the generation after them. And I said, I don't know what's going to happen when these older folks all die off and I end up with a bunch of young folks that, that they're sensitive and they need their safe space and they need... We're not... <laughs> I'm telling you, the nicest I get is in this pulpit. When, when we're in the print shop, we're, we're almost mean to each other about some things. It's a factory floor. Now, it's, we're making Bibles, and we love each other, and there ain't no cussing going on or anything like that. But we're having a good time there. And we've had people come in and go, oh, I think it's time for me to go. We're like, ah, we're just playing. Um, and so, so when we look at it, we live in a very sensitive society. And I'm not saying that we should be mean to people, but we do need to contend for the faith. Matthew Henry says it like this. He says, we ought to honor those who are above us in age, gifts, grace, station. We're not, not to envy them, yet neither to flatter them, nor, nor be led merely by their example when we have reason to think that they act wrong. Thus the apostle Paul withstood his fellow apostle Peter to the face, notwithstanding the high esteem he had for him and the affectionate love he bore for him. When he saw he was to be blamed, that is, really blameworthy, he, he stood to him. In Galatians 2 and verse 11 is what he's referencing. So, as we earnestly contend for the faith, we need to also remember that we're not the deputy Holy Spirit. 
We need to remember that God's working in my heart. God's doing different things in my life. We need to let God work. And it's one of the things that we have sometimes, and I think it's our culture, our American culture, we want instant gratification. So somebody comes in church and they get saved, we want them to dump all their sins and we want them to to be theologians. Well, it takes a while to get to that point. And all of us are at different points there. So we need to remember to have love and mercy on them as others did with us. In 2 Corinthians 5.10, it tells us that we're, we're to, to be as the, the church of Berea and study the scriptures. I love the fact that your pastor studies. I love the fact that he can get up and say, Thus saith the Lord, and we should be able to see the scriptures and what they say for us. And do, doing that, however... It's not wrong for us to search the scriptures. Why is the Bible so important? So we can be more noble than these, as the, as the Bereans were, and that they search the scriptures. They were checking out the Apostle Paul. Search the scriptures to see whether these things be so. We need to be searching the scriptures for ourselves. Amen. We shouldn't just be getting spoon-fed on Sundays at church. Because... We have the word of God. We need to be contending for it. But if we go on in, in, verses, in, in verse 4, it says, For these are, for, excuse me, uh, for there are certain men crept in unaware who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. And he goes on and he just blasts a bunch of people, ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed them that believed not. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the, the great day, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire." Likewise, also, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominions, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael, the archangel, when, con- when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of, of those things which they know not, but that they know naturally as brute beasts, in those things they corrupt themselves." Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and have run greedily after the heir of Balaam, for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. These are spots in your feast of charity, when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration, because of Anich. He says a lot right there. As we contend for the faith, we must be courageous. Sometimes we have to say the hard things. There's a lot of people out there that can say the hard things. 
doctors will often tell you the hard things. And they're just telling, talking to you about your physical body. And again, I'm not talking about being mean. I'm not talking about being unkind. But sometimes the truth simply has to be spoken. As, as you see, as he goes through this list of things that he had to say, he gets down to verse 17 as we're contending for the faith, as we're, as we're being courageous. And he says, But beloved, remember you the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that he told you there should be mockers in the last times who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Yes, we must contend. Yes, we must be courageous. Yes, we must understand that this old world is condemned. Listen, we shouldn't get that upset when a sinner acts like a sinner. They're lost. They don't know any different. That doesn't mean we let it go. That means we don't check it. That doesn't mean we're not courageous and we contend for the faith. But this is what Jude says as he gets to the end. I told you at the beginning to continue thou. He says this in verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Continue thou, continue thou, continue thou. Looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. I mentioned this to the young people, but you know, if... If we all knew the worst things about each other in this room, probably won't talk to each other very much. Right. We're just dirty, rotten sinners saved by grace. Right. And then he says this, And of some have compassion, making a difference. Amen. Wow. Contend for the faith. Be courageous. These things don't run into each other. These things hold each other up. Have compassion on others. Love them. Show them the love of God. I want to challenge you with this as we, as we think about the compassion, as we think about the things of God. I had the opportunity before COVID, I had the opportunity to go to D.C. There's a, a group of people there uh, that, that go that go up to D.C. Uh, called Capital Connection, and what they do is they, they go to the White House, or they go to uh, the, the state, uh, hmm, the the Capitol building there, and they have you from your different states. You go and you you meet with your state senators. So in our case, it would be Ron Johnson and uh, Tammy Baldwin, and they, we go there. We try to have an appointment if we can, but if we can't, sometimes we just show up and we say, "Listen, we we just like to meet with you, and we'd like to." pray with you. Is there anything I can pray with you about? We don't want anything from you. We're not here asking for monies. We're not asking, we're not asking for anything. Can we just pray with you? And depending on their schedules, Ron Johnson was able to get us in. Tammy Baldwin happened to be out of the office at the time. If you don't know who those two people are, let me just say they're opposite in their political view. Um, but we just had a chance to, to, to spend some time. We give, them a, we give them a Bible. We give them a book on some U.S. history, a good book written generally by a former president. And just tell them we want to pray for them. Because they need prayer. Amen. But a few weeks later, we went down to Puerto Rico, and we went into the projects where there's gangs, and there's violence, and there's drugs, and there's all kinds of terrible things. And, and we had a, a, a Bible club for the kids. And we invited them out to an open area, a basketball court. We invited them out and played some games and did some things with them and shared the gospel with them. 
because they need Jesus. Does Ron Johnson need to be saved? I've never heard a clear testimony from him. I, I actually like him as one of our U.S. senators, but I think he needs to be saved. We were just there this year again, and, and one of the boys that we had witnessed to some years ago on that project, Jose, big guy, big guy. He's a little kid, but he's a big guy, all right? And one of the guys in our group um, was doing some goofy stuff, and Jose says, you can't pick me up. And this guy picked him up, kind of. <laughs> but we were back there, and we were, we were actually done. We were leaving, and Jose just happened to poke his head out. And my boys say, hey, Jose, and they get together or whatever. And Jose is now a teenage boy, and he's, he's a big boy. And he says to my buddy, but you can't pick me up. And my buddy's like, oh, I bet I can. <laughs> and so he, he did. But does Jose need to, now Jose claims to be saved, but does Jose need to be saved? Oh, absolutely. If some have compassion making a difference. I'm going I'm to close here, but I, I want to, as I close, I want to give you an illustration. I, I read a book, and uh, the, the author of the book said, you know, illustrations are not necessary. Illustrations are not necessary for a sermon. Just like windows are not necessary for a building. But they sure can shed some, lights on, shed some light on some things. And what I'd like to do is I'd actually like to get your pastor to come up here. If you could just stand right behind the pulpit, it's your pulpit, so please feel free. But you know, your pastor has a burden and desire, and I've known your pastor for some time, so I know what I'm saying is true. But he has a desire to not only preach the word here and to reach the community here, but he has a desire to see others saved. He has a desire to see the world reached. He has a desire to see those in these different countries, which, hey, he may never go to those countries. How many mission fields have you been on? About a half a dozen. So that's, that's pretty good. I know a lot of pastors that haven't been on that many, but there's a whole lot more that he'll probably never get to see. But I'm going to ask, brother, if you could come up here. And I'm going I'm to pick on you, brother, if you could come up here as well. See, one of, the, one of the things that we often forget in this ideology, I'm going to have one of you stand on, if you can come on this side of pastor, is it's the pastor's job to preach the, to preach the word, and it is his job to preach the word. It's the pastor's job to visit the shut-ins. It is his job to visit the shut-ins. It's the pastor's job. And all of a sudden, we bury him in these jobs that really are the responsibility for each of us as a Christian to have and to have companionship. And here's what happens. Pastor, if you could just spread your arms out. Pastor's a man, and he's not a young man anymore, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. His arms don't quite go as high. They don't quite stretch as far. He's not quite as resilient. But each of us is limited. We can only reach so far. But then what ends up happening is men come alongside and they reach their arms out. Now, I don't know if you guys want to hold hands or touch hands. Get, get a bunch of men holding hands up here. What kind of church am I in? And but, yeah, hold his arms up. But then maybe if I could get a couple more men to come up here. Are anybody willing to come up? I, I'm not going to. There we go. And this is how this works. As we see that reach go further, your church cannot, and I've been in churches where the pastor, everything's on the pastor, and his reach is to a handful of people in his congregation. Maybe he gets them shut in, maybe he goes to a nursing home. But then we get, get, I met a young man today. I'm coming down off the pulpit. You're going to have to remind me your name. Micah, come on here, buddy. Can you help me? Micah, how old are you? Seven? When did you turn seven? Um, July 19th. Wow, that's really good. I got a boy that's six. His name's Xavier. Watch out for him, okay? I'm just, just saying. 
He came up to me, and we had a little good conversation. But Xavier, you want to come up here and help me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that kid has never met a stranger. Gets it from his mom. Come on up here, guys. And we start reaching the next generation. Maybe turn this way just a little bit. And we start reaching the next generation. And Pastor may never, i got to see which flag here I know. I don't, I don't know all these flags. Pastor may never go to one of these countries. I'm going to pick one. I hope it comes out easy. Anybody know what country I'm holding here? Which one is it? That's Romania? No, it's not. <laughs> My wife thinks it's Romania. She lived there, so we'll call it Romania. <laughs> Pastor, you ever been to Romania? Never been to Romania. Probably I'll never go to Romania. I've been there a couple times. I shouldn't know what flag this is. But Micah, who's seven years old, have you ever been to Romania? What, what are the chances that Michael will make it to Romania and Pastor won't? Theoretically, right? Can you hold that flag for me, buddy? Maybe nobody else here goes to Romania. Maybe nobody else, and I, I randomly picked Romania. I didn't, I didn't mean to necessarily. Oh, where's China? Which one's China? I don't see this. This is it? My son, my son uh, Xavier, what's that? This isn't China? We'll, we'll pretend it is if it's not. My son Xavier has decided that he likes Chinese food. So he likes China. All right, you going to hold this for me, buddy? Pastor, you ever been to China? Pastor probably won't ever make it to China. Now, he thinks going to a Chinese restaurant locally is going to China, but maybe he'll make it to China someday as a missionary. But that's not going to happen unless... We contend for the faith, unless we're courageous, unless we say, you know what? God has only allowed me to go so far, and please do everything God has for you. I don't know what that is. Maybe it's going to China. I'm not trying to discourage you from going to China. Don't ever try putting money in the offering plate and not go to China, if that's what he has for you. But it's not going to happen because pastor is simply here doing his part, but it's going to happen because we have compassion on the lost. Hey, what can we do to reach Winchester? What can we do to reach Kentucky? What can we do to help in the U.S.? What can we do to reach these other countries? And every one of us, Michael, every one of us, Xavier, has a responsibility. Now, you know, you know what Xavier's responsibility is? I'm going to tell Xavier this right here. I'm going to take this flag so we don't lose it. Xavier, you know what your responsibility is right now? Your responsibility is to obey your dad and mom. Can you do that? He's like, I don't know. That's a hard one. Can I just go to China and deal with communists? <laughs> but we have our parts that we're supposed to be doing with compassion. These young men right now, they need to be learning to read, and they need to learn how proper grammar, because apparently that's a thing these days that people don't even know how to use proper grammar, so that they can read the Bible, so they can study the Bible, so they can teach other people the Bible. You say, well, yeah, so they, they need to read. Is that important? That's critically important right now in their lives. Thank you, gentlemen. You can, you can sit down. Thank you, buddy. All right. But it's critically important that we each do our part. I've been in enough churches. I've done this enough. I grew up in the same church. It's, it's really easy to be critical of the pastor because he is only one man and he does have faults, failures and faults and all that. But next time you think about being critical, number one, pray for him. Amen. But maybe come alongside and say, Pastor, can I help you with this? 
Pastor, it seems to be there's a gap right here. Is there something I can do there? What can I, I like to say, I like the way I'm doing it wrong better than the way you're not doing it at all. What can we do to edify the local body of Christ? What can we do to reach the lost? And Jude lays it out very plainly, what we can do. Yeah, things are going to get bad. They're going to get worse. And you know what it says to do? In Timothy, it says continue thou. You know what it says to do in Jude? Show compassion. Have compassion for the lost. There are people today that will die and spend all of eternity in hell because we didn't have compassion like we should. We didn't do what God led us to do at the time. I shared the illustration this morning of of the couple that gave $5,000 that helped us get the container load to Malawi. But here's my brother working on the factory line, just doing his job, and, and something in his head goes, I wonder if my brother could use this stuff that we're just recycling. No, maybe it wouldn't have worked out. And it's okay sometimes when you have an idea and you go, oh, that didn't work out. That's okay. But in his case, it worked out. And I'm saying, when God has you doing your steps, I could take the rest of the evening and tell you stories, little things that God has done just over the last few years that some of them in and of themselves are very insignificant. But when you take this little thing and this little thing and this little thing and you add them together, God's working. God wants to use you. Let him use you. Have that compassion for the lost. Have that compassion. People are nervous. Hey, oh, this is the end days. Christ is coming back at any time. That's exciting stuff. The stuff that I've been reading about my whole life in the Bible, it's happening right now. The book of Revelation, you, you can go to the book right there and go, Whoa, wow, that's, wow, Jude and Timothy talking about, about the perilous times and all this stuff. And that's happening right now. Don't you want to be a part of that? Don't you want to be a part of reaching those ones? I don't know if Christ is coming back in six days. I don't know if he's coming back in six months or six years. All I know is the Bible says, occupy till I come. I want to be busy about the Lord's work until he comes back. And I want to do it with compassion. There's a saying, never talk about hell with a smile on your face, but with a tear in your eye. I want to have that kind of compassion for the lost. Let's pray, and Pastor, I'll turn it over to you. Lord, we love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this great church. God, they've been an encouragement to me today. Lord, they've been a blessing to me today. Lord, they, 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 they get it. They get that there's people dying and going to hell. They get that it's your word that changes lives. They, they get it, Lord. And I'm thankful that there's still good churches all over the United States, really all over the world, that are preaching your word. And God, I pray that you'd help them to continue thou. Lord, it can get tiresome. You just see wickedness all around us. It just seems like, am I even doing any good? But Lord, that's a lie from the pit of hell that we can't serve you and do good for you. God, I pray that you'd help us to have the compassion we should have. Sometimes I see what's going on uh, on TV or I see what's going on on social media and I just, I just can't believe it. And I It upsets me to see some of the people doing the things they're doing. But, Lord, help me to have compassion, especially for the lost. Give me the grace I need. Lord, I'm so thankful for your grace. And, Lord, if there's somebody here tonight that's never accepted Christ as their personal Savior, that they'd see that love that you gave when you sent your Son to die on the cross for our sins. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. We ask these things in his precious and holy name. Amen.